Hello and welcome to another episode of the 645 pod. Uh, this is a pod that we particularly created to encourage the 645 community, uh, but for anyone else who listens along, we hope it's encouraging and informative for you too. Uh, my name's Simon and I'm a ministry apprentice here at Christchurch and I'm joined by... I'm Anton and I'm one of the ministers at Christchurch tonight. Yeah, and this season we are looking at difficult doctrines, uh, thinking about different doctrines in the Christian life that we struggle to understand, uh, that we want to know a little bit better and helping us think through them. Mm -hmm. So Anton, what are we looking at this week? Uh, we're looking at the topic of the canon, mm. which is basically... Why are the books that are in the Bible in the Bible? Yeah, it's a fascinating question. I think I'm really keen to chat about this and hopefully it's be helpful for you to think about. Maybe it's not even something you've thought about before. Sometimes you just kind of can accept this is the Bible. It's all complete. It's been put together. Um, but hope, sometimes... I hope this doesn't freak you out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, but some of you maybe have big questions about why is this in the Bible? How has it been put together? Maybe you've had non-Christians who've gone hang on, but didn't it, humans just put it together mm. what they want? Um, so actually, this is a really great and helpful question for us to think through. Let's go. So this week, we are thinking about the canon, which is the Bible and how it's been put together. I think I remember when I was really young in a class, they were talking about the Bible um, and my teacher was saying, you know, the Bible is actually not just a book. It's a whole library that you kind of have in your hand because it's lots of books that have all been put together into the Bible. And actually, I have a real practical example of that because I've got notebooks of the whole Bible. So you can kind of see that it's all these books and it's kind of fun. And so you actually see that actually the Bible is put together out of lots of bits rather than actually being just one thing that's all the same you know like mm. someone writes a novel and it's all one story yeah. and all written in the same style um the bible is actually made up of lots of different books from lots of different authors um and so maybe you haven't thought about this before but actually how does the books that have been put together in the bible get into the bible uh, what what is the way that that happened how has it gone about have we uh, not included some other things mm. that people have around? You know, we've got the uh, Gospel of Thomas um, and other things like that, where we, we don't have that in our Bible, or the Apocrypha, which we don't include, but uh, Catholics have in mm. their Bible, um, and all of those sorts of things. So it's actually a really helpful question. I've definitely encountered non-Christians kind of go, boy, isn't it just put together by people? Like, they just put what they wanted mm. in the Bible. Um, yeah. So how do we think about these things, Anton? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what uh, what that question is? It's a question of cannon. Yeah. Now it's not uh, not the army weapon cannon. <laughs> yeah. C a n o n one n. Yeah, it'll be a slightly less noisy episode than maybe what you thought if maybe, you didn't realize maybe. that's what it meant. <laughs> and cannon means the word cannon means kind of rule or mm. measuring rod. So if you know if you're mm. gonna, if you're trying to measure something, you, you know your one meter ruler or your tape measure is kind of the the thing that rules your measurements. Yeah. Similarly, the canon is the collection of religious writings that yeah. rule your faith. Yeah. That your faith is bound by mm. and and um, ascend, accedes to. Yeah. So kind of like the authority over. Yeah. 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 So what's uh, what's the what rules and governs mm. the Christian faith? Mm. 
Well, it's the, the scriptures that are in the canon. Yeah. And this is really important for evangelical Christians because we hold the Bible as the ultimate authority on earth, God's ultimate uh, revelation to us. Uh, and so, you know, some people might be more liberal about how they see the Bible and about how they interpret those things. It's probably less of a big question for them. But for people who really hold up the Bible as God's ultimate uh, revelation for us to understand and our ultimate authority um, in how we understand things, actually being confident that what's in the Bible mm. is from God is really important for us. That's right. Yeah. And that's the key thing. So if the Bible is to be our final authority, so we can pull wisdom through church tradition or through mm. Christian experience or through our own reason. Yeah. But in terms of what, where those things clash, what's yeah. the final authority? Yeah. If as evangelicals we hold the Bible as our final source of authority. So even if my head says one thing yeah. and my church says another thing, whatever the Bible says, that's what, it's, yeah. that's what goes. And we hold the Bible as the final authority because – we believe that it is the word of God. Mm. It's actually God speaking to his people through the generations. Yeah. And so whatever's in the canon needs to be God's words, mm. God's voice to his church. Yeah. So the big question is, how can we have confidence in what we call the canon of the Bible? Where does that come from? How did the Bible get put together? You know, it was... You just said it's been written over generations. Yeah. You know, we've got the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's across thousands of years, really. Mm. Um, how can we be confident that what we have is authoritative as God's word? So through the Bible, we get to see points where God's people are recognizing mm. parts of Scripture that have already been written yeah. as, as Scripture, as the word of God, as the rule for them as people. Yeah. And so, for example, in 2 Kings 22 in King Josiah's time, they're living in a ungodly, idolatrous way. Yeah. And then the the book of the law is found. Mm. And so they find, they find this, would have been a great moment. They yeah. find this book and go, oh, this is, this is how we should be living. This is yeah. the word of God. And so we actually need to repent for how we're living now mm. because of the scriptures that they had momentarily lost and now rediscovered. Mm. Uh, and, so, and, and also through the Old Testament, previously written parts of the Old Testament are quoted as yeah. God's word uh, that keep coming back. And so you can see through the God's people that there is a rule, there mm. is a, 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 a binding document that is growing, but yeah. it keeps being referred back to as this is how we are to live, mm. or, or this, is who, this is how we know God and how we are to live as God's people. Mm. Uh, we don't fully know how the Old Testament was ultimately put together and how that all came about in its final form. Mm. But what we do know is, is certainly by the time of Jesus, and actually quite a bit before, it was documented that these are the mm. 39 books of the Old Testament. So even if we don't know exactly how it came to be, it was there was a consensus on which books yeah. did hold the voice of God. Mm. And particularly for us as Christians, you go, okay, well, how do I know that they're the word of God? Yeah. Uh, for us as Christians, Jesus is the big key yeah. here because Jesus is the one who affirms the authority of the Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah, because Jesus 
very frequently uses the Old Testament in his teachings. Um, he kind of quotes scripture and expands it and talks about it. Um, he really knows his Old Testament well uh, and uses scripture all the time in his teaching and how he answers questions in uh, how he deals with people who come to him. Anton, do you have an example? <laughs> so in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 5, so at the start of Jesus' ministry, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Mm. Now, the law and the prophets was a shorthand way of saying the Old Testament. So the law is the, the first five books, Genesis to, through Deuteronomy, and yeah. the prophets were the rest, not just what we would now call the yeah. prophets, but also um from Joshua through to Malachi. So do not think that I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them, says Jesus. Mm. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Mm. So Jesus there, and again, by quoting the Old Testament through his ministry, but particularly in that verse, he's saying, no, we're not abandoning the Old Testament. Yeah. Actually, we're holding on to it mm. because it points to me. Yeah. And it is, it is God's preparation, his word of preparation for mm. the coming of him, mm. the Messiah. So if we are followers of Jesus, we can take Jesus' word that the Old Testament is, as in that form, in, yeah. its, in, its, in our current form, is the word of God. Yeah which is helpful to have confidence in because yeah. it helps us then understand Jesus and we can reference back to it. And, you know, we don't want to, as Jesus says, uh, abandon the Old Testament. It actually still is important and helpful um, for us to understand God, who he is, and get the whole big picture of the Bible. But, of course, when we come to the New Testament, then that happens after Jesus, yeah. or is all written after Jesus's life, death, and resurrection. And so that creates a new issue in terms of God's re revealed word yeah. and how did that all come about? Yeah. We don't have Jesus to then quote the New Testament and go, yes, as it says in scripture, <laughs> we yeah, don't have that sadly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But what we do have is a collection of books that through, through various means have been attested as the word mm. of God in scripture. And it's worth pausing here to think through, okay, what makes something the word of God or yeah. what does make something scriptural? And because you're right, people can say, oh, these books were just written by people. Yeah. Like how can they be God's words yeah. if they are written by human authors? And, of course, they're right in as much as they were written by human authors. Yeah. So, for example, in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says that, verse 20, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Mm. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Mm. So we've got the prophets, the people who wrote the Bible, it's not just them yeah, saying what they want. Yeah, yeah. But the Holy Spirit was at work in them to say and to write down mm. what God wanted. Yeah. And that's something that's kind of fascinating about the Bible is it 
kind of is a human document mm. in that God worked through people to write down the words that he wanted to be written down. Yeah. So like Paul's writing will have a certain flavor yeah. and that'll be a different style to Peter's writing mm. because they're different authors. Yeah. And it, that's something that actually kind of is really beautiful in terms of it's also just how we see God works. Like God mm. works through people to bring people to know him. And the Bible is just another example of that. God has worked through people to cause his words to be written down so people can understand who he is. He's revealed himself in a way that humans can understand, which mm. is wonderful because God probably is quite hard to understand from God's perspective because we're limited humans. <laughs> yeah. um, and so actually through the Bible, God has chosen to reveal himself in a way that people can actually read and write down and understand so that we can actually know God in how he's revealed himself. And there are alternatives to, you know, thinking about what is a divine word mm -hmm. from God. So some might say, oh, surely it would be more divine to just have God's words dictated to us. Yeah. And so other religions have that where they've got a prophet and they, they're not writing down what they think mm. or they're not writing down their interpretation of things. They're just writing down what they claim God has yeah. said to them. So, oh, I had a, I had a vision from God and I took a dictation. Yeah. That's what some spiritual writings mm. or religious writings uh, claim. Yeah. And little bits of the Bible are like that. Some of the prophecies are directly God saying, write down my words. But by and large, the Bible is. Oh, well, so there'll be, as there'll be elements of that. Yeah. Particularly in the Old Testament. But particularly when we come to the new, mm. it's not in, it's not. Uh, ever in dictation like yeah. we, we may quote what jesus has said or we may quote from the old testament when yeah. god says this but it's never a dictation and the good thing about that is if someone claims that oh i've had a word from god and mm. i've written it down and therefore this should be the rule for you to live yeah in a in a spiritual way we've got no way of cross-checking that yeah all we have is the prophet's own honor it at that yeah, point. You have just their word that their word is correct. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you've got no way of testing that. Yeah. Whereas the new Testament came about in a much more messy way mm. and a more piecemeal way, mm. but that actually helps us because we can, because it's gone through a process of examination and testing mm. and with the end product, we can actually be confident that, no, this wasn't just some magical document yeah. that, that's appeared, but it's actually an historical document mm. written in history by mm. actual people that has been, has come through the, the people of God. Yeah. Continually recognized as scripture. Mm. Yeah. And I guess you a little bit see things like that in terms of the apostles and you kind of see how Jesus uh, gives them authority to teach. And they're kind of the the authority that we get in the New Testament of um, some of the apostles write the Gospels um, and some of them kind of appear in Paul's letters. Um, and so they're kind of an authority structure that we see that Jesus sets up to say these people know what's going on, I've given them understanding, they have authority to teach and to for their work to become scripture. Yeah, and that's it's all tied up in the word apostle. <laughs> yeah. The word apostle means one that has been sent, a sent yeah. one, but kind of sent in a ambassador type of way. Mm. So I've watched a bit of Madam Secretary over the last couple of years and it's 
you know, she's a it's a show about the Secretary of State, which is like yeah. our foreign minister. And they and she deals with other countries through their ambassador. She doesn't mm. speak to the president or prime minister of other countries mostly. She just speaks through ambassadors. Yeah. But she can do that because the ambassador speaks for the president. Mm. And so whatever the ambassador says, that's a word from the president. Mm. They act on the authority of the president behind them. Same with the apostles of Jesus. Jesus commissioned them to go out and report all that they mm. saw and heard when they were with Jesus. And so when we think of the, so that's kind of the first test of what is yeah. a genuine, you know, what should be in the New Testament canon yeah. is, is there apostolic authority yeah. involved? So as you say, it could be a written by an apostle himself, like Paul, who witnessed Jesus yeah. at his conversion, or Peter, who was there through all of Jesus' earthly ministry, mm. or John as well. They're kind of key, mm. they're kind of apostles who have the authority of Jesus because Jesus has given him that authority. So if they've written down something, yeah, like Paul's letters to the Romans or the Corinthians or, or Peter's letter, you know, yeah. to Peter, they, they are recognized as carrying Jesus' words through the them as ambassadors. Mm. And I guess this also comes back to what you're talking about, the historical nature of these documents and how it was put together and how that can give us confidence. You kind of see in the New Testament the interaction between these people who had the authority. So especially in something like Acts, you see these apostles who come together, you see Paul come together and work with them, and they're, they're of the same opinion. Um, you can kind of see this collection of how the apostles work together mm. and were in agreement and kind of they had this authority. Uh, and so something like Acts is really helpful because it, it grounds the creation of the New Testament in history and with more than just one person saying, here is my gospel. You have the apostles uh, and you have Paul interacting with the apostles um, when he kind of joins later. Um, and so they kind of together, they form it rather than it just being one person comes and says, here's all the New Testament. I have got a door from God. Thank you. Believe me. Thank yeah. You. And that's another aspect of, one of the the determinations of the canon was, is it historically reliable? Like, mm. did it actually come from Paul, or is it was it written when it's when it's set, or yeah. was it a later uh, interpretation or something like that? Yeah. And so the the books that are in the New Testament canon were determined to be historically accurate. Yes, this is a letter from Paul. Yeah. Or this is a letter, this is a, an account of Jesus by Luke, who was a close companion of Paul. Mm. And so Paul was, you know, with him or alongside him and to, to verify. Mm. And, and then the other aspect is, is it consistent with the gospel? Mm. So remember these, the amazing thing about the Bible, the New Testament, is that it, it, it is written so close to when the events yeah. actually happen or the events it was referring to actually happen. And so uh, it's not like the, the events of Jesus happened and then 400 years later yeah. or 1,000 years later, things were written about it. Yeah. But no, these were written within the next century, the next lifetime mm -hmm. of the people who were there. And so the early church 
some of whom were there when Jesus spoke, yeah. when he preached the gospel, yeah. and or when they were there when Paul first preached the gospel, when Peter first preached the gospel. Yeah. And so as, these, as, um, as the preaching of the word was then written down in its various forms, all the letters or all the accounts of Jesus, they could all be tested mm. as to, okay, does what I'm reading align with what I remember Jesus saying? Yeah. <laughs> or is this account, does it, does it ring true with what Paul preached when he came to my church? Yeah. 10 years ago, you know? Yeah. Yeah. People around to go, hang on. That's not what Jesus said. Yeah. And- yeah, yeah. So they could, so the eyewitnesses at the time could recognize, oh yes, no, this is, this written document is in line with the teaching of Jesus mm. because I heard the teaching of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and so they can, from that way, they can determine, no, this is in line with, mm. this is the word of God mm. because it aligns with. Yeah the word of God that I've already heard. Yeah. And, you know, even we can kind of see this a thousand years later, you know, um, we can see the consistency and the cohesion Mm. of the Bible, even between the Old Testament and the New Testament, how they fit together so beautifully and they are consistent in what they say and in uh, the picture that they paint. I mean, I said earlier, uh, the Bible's lots of books is not just one story, but actually it kind of is one story and you Mm. can see that arc and the flow. um, And that's uh, really helpful to give you confidence. Actually, these things fit together. They're in the Bible they reference each other, they are consistent with each other, they don't contradict each other, um, and that's really helpful. Yeah, so you expect books to be different because they're written by different authors, different mm. people, but you'd also expect the same message yeah. because it was authored also by the one true God. Yeah, I mean, it's the same so, spirit who inspired all of the words. Totally, totally. So, you, so the Bible has one big story to tell, mm. but it's told in... 66 different parts yeah, because of the different authors that God used to mm. tell his big story. Mm. Now, of course, there are trickiness around all this. So not all the books of the New Testament were written by an apostle. Yeah, We don't even know who wrote the book of Hebrews, for example. And yeah. so it's not like there are three or four tests that every book must pass. Yeah. And there was also some early disputes. A lot of a lot of the New Testament was like, no, this is very obvious. Yeah, these were these are undisputed. The Gospels, Acts, most letters of Paul. Yeah, one Peter, one John. They were all very um, well attested by Christians everywhere that these are, these mm. are the words of God. There was some debate over some books of the Bible, like the Book of James mm. and Jude and two Peter two three John John they were they were uh, there was less consensus mm. but in the end there in the end there, there was consensus I won't go into all the detail yeah um, if you want all the detail by the way there's a really good podcast episode on undeceptions with John Dixon oh, yeah. so if you look that up on your podcast thingy uh, then there's an episode called Cannon Fodder, which I think is pretty clever. <laughs> yep. That goes into a lot of the history and the detail yeah. of all this. Mm. Uh, uh, but in the end, there was, uh, you know, like in the end, it's not like there was a council yeah. who went, okay, we're going to choose these books because they fit our yeah. 
they fit what we want yeah. <laughs> or, um, or, you know, these books say what I want them to say. So I'm going to include yeah. these and exclude those ones, which don't say what I want yeah. them to say. Uh, but no, it's not like there was some council yeah. that went, okay, no, these are the books. It was more, no one determined these are the books of the Bible. It's more the church over the early years of Christianity discerned God's voice mm. because it was in line with the teaching of Jesus, which they, which they'd heard. Mm. Yeah. So it's more, it was recognized as God's word. Then people decided that it was actually God's word. It That's right. A, yeah, yeah. It was a recognition rather than a, we're going to put this together. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And so when, it, when we get to things like the gospel of Thomas mm. or other 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 gospels or other teachings that were around there were there were some teachings like things like the didache or things like that that were used in churches and circulated around by churches so that you know that were that were that were edifying that were mm. that were that were good yeah kind of like how at 645 Francis Chan's crazy love was just just did yeah. the rounds through people yeah. and people found it helpful. So there's, yeah. you know, that's not a scriptural book, but it's a, a an edifying book. That's right. Yeah. So some there were some documents that were in that category but weren't recognized as mm. as and you know, it was they were consistent with scripture, but not yeah. uh, uh, seen as scripture themselves. Yeah. And there were other things like the Gospel of Thomas, mm. which, you know, if you read it, you kind of Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Um, it was deemed a not historical, so not yeah. actually written by Thomas. So that's not helpful. Yeah. You know, Thomas was a, an apostle, but he didn't write the gospel of Thomas. Yeah. And B, it wasn't written. It wasn't consistent with mm. the gospel, with the teaching of Jesus. Yeah. And so towards the end, for example, of the gospel of Thomas, it's really demeaning towards women. Yeah. It's basically saying only men can be saved. Yeah. And so if you, you know, if you were, if you had a political agenda of trying to big note yeah. men over women, yeah. then you'd want to include that in, in the Bible, which was, you know, that was a, that was a thing at the time. Yeah. But the church didn't include it because they weren't about agenda. They were about mm. God's word and what, and God's message. Yeah. And I think that's something helpful to actually, if you're worried about why things weren't included and why things were, actually go and look at the Gospel of Thomas. Like if you know your Bible well and then you read the Gospel of Thomas, you go, oh no, okay, I get this. This is not the Bible. Like it just really is so clearly not part of the Bible that you kind of look at it and you go, okay, no, I get this. This is not like, oh, should it have been in there? This yeah. is this is nothing like anything else that exists in the Bible. Yeah, so it's not like the early church tried to hide things yeah. that they didn't like teaching of. It was all out there in the open. Yeah. There were these other what we call Gnostic Gospels that teach Gnosticism, you know, yeah. uh, that, that floating around. And there was just, it was just very obvious to the early church that they weren't Scripture, yeah. they weren't the Word of God. It's, you know, all the more, it's more in later times where we go, oh, there's these other yeah. Gospels around. How come they weren't included? Yeah. That's sensationalist if you actually look at the yeah. process of the formation of the canon. And like Gospel Times were written like 400 AD or something. You know, yeah. Much, much later than the, the Bible books. Yeah. Uh, then you can actually have confidence that the process of the formation of the New Testament did carry with it mm. the authority of Jesus through the apostles and through its message. Mm. 
uh, and through its historical place mm. that we can go, no, the New Testament does carry with it the message of Jesus, mm. that he has come to seek and save the lost and create a people who are holy to be his very own. Mm. So there's a little bit of a dive into um, the canon. Hopefully that was really helpful to think about how these happen. Uh, Anton mentioned the Undeceptions episode, canon fodder, if you want to look a little bit more into the detail of how those things happened. Um, but the baseline is there's a real reason we can have great confidence that what we have in the Bible is the Bible. Uh, and we can have confidence that the Bible can be our authority um, and we can trust it. Um, and the best thing to do to work out whether the Bible is God's authority, is the Word of God, is to read it as the Word of God. Mm. So if you read it assuming that, okay, this is God speaking to me, it should have an effect on you. Mm. You should be able to recognize that it's the Word of God. We don't need anything external to say this is the Word of God because then that external thing will be a greater authority than God yeah. himself. And so if there's an internal authority to the yeah. scripture as it's claimed because it's the word of God, then if you read it as the word of God, you'll be able to recognize that authority as mm. God works in your heart and mind and, and body to know him and be able to live for him. Okay, speaking of right and wrong and things that should be and shouldn't be, we're going to move into Bible trivia. Um, we trust God's word, so we're going to learn what's right and wrong about God's we're word. We're going to learn the minutiae of God's yeah. word through trivia. So uh, last week was a terrible week for both of us. Uh, no one got any points. Correct. So, uh, in some ways, not a terrible week for me because that means I stayed ahead another week. That's true. <laughs> Simon's on four. I'm on three. And topic for today is events and places. Sounds right. Yeah. Topic is events and places. So, Anton, here you go. Great. Where was Jeremiah imprisoned by King Zedekiah? In a dry well. See, that's what I thought too. Oh, no. This says a palace courtyard. Well, he might have. He, Jeremiah had a rough time. In a well, in, yeah, he was imprisoned in lots of places. But I just want to check. Was the well in the courtyard? Yeah. Jeremiah the prophet was confined in the courtyard of the guide of the royal palace of Judah. Great. I'm still in three. I haven't scored for a very long time. I know. Let's see if the run continues. Uh, okay. All the Jews were rejoicing when the foundation of the temple was laid, laid during the reign of Cyrus. True or false? Oh, crikey. Uh, so this will be the second temple, not the Solomonic temple. I think that's, I think it's in the, the reign of Darius. I think Cyrus brings them back, but under Darius's time, they actually start building the temple. So I'm going false. You are correct. Oh, oh finally. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, well, but for the wrong reason. <laughs> so false is the right answer. Uh, but the reference is, but many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation being laid. <laughs> while many no, others some were rejoicing. Joy. Yeah, some rejoiced. But the question was, all, all the Jews. There you go. Was it? So they did not all. But was it still under Cyrus's time? Oh, I didn't know. That would be hilarious if I got it. Right, for the wrong wrong reason. reason. (laughs) Yeah, so look, as much as I want to take away that correct answer from you because (laughs) you tried to justify yourself (laughs) with things that were incorrect, you got a point. So my first correct answer in two weeks (laughs) was was for the wrong reason. (laughs) From a mistake, anyway. Okay. Now we're even, completely dead even. For all, but you got two questions to come. Okay. In what season of the year... Did King Jehoiakim destroy Jeremiah's scroll? Oh, lots of Jeremiah questions. Lots of Jeremiah questions. Spring. No, winter. Damn it. I, that, was, <laughs> that was my initial guess. I did the thing that I always do, have an initial guess thought, which is correct, and then second guess myself and go with something else. It's the opposite of, of you getting it right for the wrong reasons. <laughs> I get it right and then guess the wrong answer. <laughs> All right. This one's not a Jeremiah question. Yay. Know. What was the first miracle recorded that Peter performed? That Peter performed. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this will be Acts. Does speaking in tongues count as a miracle? <laughs> I feel like he raises someone to life. If it's speaking in tongues, I'm going to be really mad. But I don't think that counts as a miracle. So your answer is? He raised, he brings someone back to life. Well, mm. luckily for you, neither is correct. No, okay. <laughs> he cast out a demon. No, he okay. healed a crippled man. Yeah, okay. Next three. Great. At least it wasn't... I feel like it's better to be nowhere unanimously near wrong. Than, yeah. than you get the other one that you didn't do. Yeah. 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 Either way... Nil point. Yeah. So it's very close. Yeah. And we've only got three episodes left. Only three left. Ooh. There's anything in this. We should figure out a really well, actually, quick there's prize. Because the- <laughs> <laughs> it's the same score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> cool. All righty. So that's yeah. Blank Space for this Keep week. Find out who oh, wins. So, it's anyone's so game. Intense. So intense. <laughs> Episode five for season three is down. Looking mm-hmm. at the canon, and I hope that was helpful for you, or allayed some yeah. fears or nervousness you may have around the books of the Bible. Yeah. Uh, but next week we're looking at another. Well, we're actually not looking. Oh at no, next not next week. week. No, you're right because it's Christmas. It's Christmas, so we're taking a hiatus because we release these on Fridays, and that's Christmas Day. So no one's going to be listening to a podcast on Christmas Day. Maybe, but some people. Yeah, some, some people, people don't have much to do on Christmas Day. <laughs> um, either way, you won't either be way, we're taking a week off, um, and we will be back in the new year. No, new not year? quite. No, the no. day before, yes. just before. Yes, that's right. So there's one pod left this year. So um, not next week, but the week after, mm-hmm. we're continuing looking at difficult doctrines, and that will be. Oh, I was, I was, I thought you were going to say what oh, that will sorry. be. Oh, sorry. That um, will be. That will be. What, what does, does judgment, judgment look like? Oh, we said it together. How gross. Um, like so, judgment. Yeah. <laughs> Is it gross? I, I guess well, you'll have to listen to find out. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> okay. 
That's next time. Oh, I'm finishing off on that. Sorry, that'd be me. Yeah, it's it's your job. (laughs) Great. Thanks for listening. Great for listening. (laughs) This is falling apart. It's only, look. Look, it's nearly Christmas. It is. fine. Yeah. Have a good Christmas. Join us online. There may not be any tickets for Christmas left by the time you book in this. But you can live stream. Definitely watch on the live stream at Christchurch.com.au to see our Christmas services. And definitely keep tuning in in two weeks' time for the 645 pod. Subscribe if you haven't already. Yeah. And uh, we'll wrap up our last couple of doctrines before Mm. we wrap up season three. Yeah. And wrap up our time at 645. Oh, don't start. Yes. (laughs) All right. See you next time. See ya.